Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Sajita Sedia. Sajita Sedia, MD, is a clinical biochemist and pharmaceutical physician certified by King's College London. Prior to starting Transform Medical Communications in New Zealand, Sajita was head of medical affairs for a pharmaceutical company in Singapore. A physician by training, she has spent over 16 years in healthcare, including 10 years in the pharmaceutical industry. She has authored numerous scientific manuscripts and textbooks for medical students and published many clinical papers in collaboration with regional and global key opinion leaders. Sajita also acts as a reviewer for several peer-reviewed journals and has won many awards in academia and pharma. Sajita has served in a variety of roles in healthcare, ranging from clinical educator to medical lead in pharma and has created a strong legacy of value creation through publications and strong partnerships with government, regulatory agencies, medical societies, and associations. Sajita is also mental health and positive psychology enthusiast and founder of Transforming Life, a digital platform to boost mental health and emotional well-being using scientific and proven metacognitive insights, knowledge, and practices. She trains individuals and teams to achieve a sound control over their thoughts, feelings, and emotions by empowering them with profound skill sets that provide happiness, bliss, productivity, and success, irrespective of life's challenges. She has launched exclusive content to boost motivation and morale amidst COVID-19 crisis on her YouTube channel. Welcome to the podcast, Sajita. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Thank you for the lovely introduction as well. Yes, and um, that was quite an introduction. You have done so much work in your area. So um, besides the uh, professional side, we always like to find out about people's personal side. So why don't you start out and tell us, you know, where you grew up, how you started out, how you got into what you're doing today. Sure, thank you. Um, so I grew up in India. I did my medicine in India in my post-graduation. My subspecialty training was in clinical chemistry or lab medicine. And then I moved to Singapore um, 12, 13 years back. And I spent almost a decade there uh, working for various pharmaceutical companies and being a pharmaceutical physician. So I got to work with government decision makers. I got into a lot of research as well. Um, and it was a fabulous journey. I accompanied my husband uh, most of the times wherever he moved and I moved along with him. And when we moved to New Zealand uh, close to two years back, uh, there weren't much options for me. So I started my own agency for medical communications, Transform Medical Communications, which has been going great. Um, and starting a new career, as you know, is not easy. And I got in touch, uh, you know, with, with spirituality, with psychology, and uh, I saw a very different situation here in New Zealand. Um, grew, uh, growing up in India and living in Singapore, it was pretty Asian community. 
and a lot of uh, things were not so heard of, for example, substance abuse. And I came to very close with families who were affected with substance abuse, drug dependence, and I realized it's so rampant here. It's so, so wide, it's so deep, and it's everywhere. Um, so I got into um, research related to mental health burden, and I initiated from my side, you know, a peer network with leading uh, mental health specialists from New Zealand. Um, and I was deeply touched with the mental health burden. It has always been there, but there was a within me, you know, I have to do something about it. You know, uh, why can't we all find happiness within ourselves? Um, it has always been a passion and I was just driven to start something and setting up businesses. Uh, I had some experience with my own venture and I thought, you know, maybe I should start another one. I was already very busy and everybody was like, are you sure you want to do it? And I said, this is within me. I have to drive it. Um, and uh, with this, I started transforming life. Um, and especially with the COVID-19 pandemic crisis, I felt there has never been a better time to start it, you know, and I have to do something about it. Um, yeah, so this is how we started up with uh, transforming life. And I'm very pleased to inform that soon there would be a big merger and we are rather collaborating with the Global Mental Health Association to globalize transforming life. Uh, so I was contacted by the founder, um, Mansi Dhalokia, uh, who is also a mental health um, uh, you know, advocate. And there are many mental health experts from around the globe, from, from US, UK, uh, South Africa, Dubai, India, and myself. So we are hoping to launch a global association very soon. And this is the right time to do it. There has never been more important and urgent task, um, especially with this crisis, to boost productivity, efficiency, happiness, because we know that the world is in crisis, especially with the mental health problems. And the crisis was even much before COVID-19 pandemic, but maybe this pandemic is going to transform the social norms and bring something good out of it that we start accepting and implementing the basic self practices for boosting our mental health uh, with a population-wide, widespread way. Mm -hmm. Wow, so, so you started out in India and then Singapore and then New Zealand. So what's the difference when you went from country to country? They all sound like very different cultures, all three of them. Yeah, they are indeed. Um, but I believe people everywhere are the same. Uh, we, we want love, affection, closeness. Um, India is more conservative and I was always protected and shadowed by my parents, family. Uh, it was a lovely experience growing up. Um, Singapore is highly driven, productivity driven, efficient and uh, very, very competitive. Um, New Zealand is very laid back, but I work very hard because I'm used to that lifestyle. Um, and uh, they're all lovely places to live in. Um, in terms of mental health, I would say the problems are also very deep and uh, still the same. There is definitely a lot of stigma in Asia, even in Singapore. Uh, you know, people don't want to talk about, uh, you know, their mental health. Uh, even, even GPs, uh, you know, they don't want to see patients with mental health disorders because of the stigma. And they present 
with a lot of somatic symptoms, you know, Asians and even ethnic minorities here in, in Australia and New Zealand, um, because it's in our culture, you know, we, we, can, we ha need to be strong, uh, we cannot be emotionally weak. Um, and we know that this is very common, patients present to GPs, they are not they, they rather suffer from, they're suffering from anxiety and depression and they undergo a lot of invasive diagnostics, which is very expensive. And many times it's not even diagnosed, unfortunately. Uh, so with this, I felt that this is the time that we start talking about it. Um, there is, of course, in developed Western countries, including New Zealand, there's a lot of awareness and there are a lot of efforts in place uh, for, for mental health. Um, and government is doing a lot. Uh, I'm sure everywhere, but here they are openly doing a lot, uh, spending a lot of money. But the problem comes down to substance abuse. Um, they, I think the efforts are futile. There's so much of illegal market uh, that when I came to know, I was really surprised. And it, it affected me so much personally because uh, growing up in India and living in Singapore, it wasn't so commonly spoken or heard of. And it's probably not so common also, as far as I know. Uh, Singapore, the laws are so strict uh, that we rarely hear these stories. But here it's like so common. Uh, people grow cannabis, uh, you know, and uh, on, on social media, we would see, uh, you know, all the misleading posts about uh, substances, uh, advertising that they can do anything, you know, from curing cancer to, uh, you know, curing pain and mood, fixing the mood. So uh, teenagers and young people, they tend to abuse and drug dependence is common. And a lot of money is spent, you know, in healing the families, the, the, the relationships um, and children who are affected. But I just don't understand why don't we drive efforts to just remove it. I know it's not easy and it's so complicated, but probably it's the time to do it, um, you know, and these problems are going to rapidly escalate with the COVID-19 pandemic and further affect um, the productivity and, and again, you know, cascade a very vicious cycle for the financial crisis. Yes, and so um, you grew up in an Asian, you know, culture where you don't want to admit there's something mentally wrong. And I, and I think that it's somewhat similar everywhere. I mean, even here, I mean, it's okay if you go ask for some Prozac or something, but beyond that, you know, <laughs> it's not that accepted. So if um, someone is feeling really depressed or sad, or they know they're just having, they're not thriving as far as mentally, emotionally, what would you say to them to encourage them to actually get help? Well, I believe we need to create brand awareness about mental health so that it's so openly spoken about in schools and workplaces and universities and even come out with strategies, you know, simple mindfulness or metacognition based uh, proven cognitive behavioral therapy, which can be adapted on a population basis so that people are not hesitant and they, they talk about it. Otherwise, we are going to face a world where, you know, half of the generation is either abusing substances or taking taking antidepressants prescribed 
medicines to manage their mood. And we do not want to live in a world like this. Uh, we want this to be spoken, uh, you know, in all social media, come out and seek help. You know, these are some of the strategies that can be implemented uh, in organizations for boosting mental health. Um, you know, so I have been researching a lot about positive psychology and it is such a blessing. There's so much of abundance and positive psychology because our happiness lies in our hands. It's within us, you know, nobody can make us sad without our permission, but it doesn't happen because, um, you know, when I was growing up, it was a very spiritual atmosphere and I loved it, but nobody gave me a justification. Why should I think positive? You know, what would happen if I say, think negative or if I become very sad and how can I not become sad when, uh, you know, it seems like situations are not in my favor. Uh, but all these strategies are not taught and after reading up and because my speciality is medical communications and simplifying the complex information into you know easy captivating um, you know info using graphics and stuff so I started coming out with my own um, you know graphics and captivating and connecting the knowledge and the, the evidence behind it um, so and and even teaching my kids their friends and they even kids can learn a lot you know and it's recommended by Dr. Martin Seligman, the uh, the father of positive psychology, that we should be teaching these strategies before children hit puberty, because it's the teenage years which are associated with most of the high risk activities and leading to the when they go to the young age, these may continue. And we know that the mental health disorders and substance abuse, it, it peaks, you know, in the young age, uh, which are the most productive years. Uh, so then I felt we have to come out with uh, strategies on a global level and, and starting in school. I know this is very personal because spirituality as such is, is very personal. And uh, many a times there are religious um, uh, knowledge and, and practices which are provided by schools, which have their own importance. But more than that, the, the proven, uh, you know, simple positive psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy designed for uh, particular age groups, they can really transform the world where we live in because we know how to find our happiness and a lot of stuff related to bullying, substance abuse, the high risk behavior, they can be reduced. Um, and you know, with the ongoing mental health crisis, it has been said that no matter how much funding is available, even if we double it, triple it, we cannot even prevent and treat half of the mental health disorders. So we need innovation here. We have to come together on, on finding the right strategies. Uh, I know the strategies, of course, may differ uh, based on the region and the ethnicity. Uh, you know, we, there, there might be some a um, lot more stigma in some countries. So we have to look at the right, uh, you know, approach and tactics and I'm sure there are but it's it's time that we all come together and work on it uh, making coming out with global policies because all this is related and not just mental disorders also substance abuse because they are together um, and uh, you know it will 
influence productivity, efficiency, happiness, uh, especially to cope with adversities. And we saw what happened with COVID-19 pandemic, you see. And these adversities will come in future, but we need to empower ourselves to be able to uh, cope up, you know, using the skill sets that we learn in our life. And the earlier they are introduced, of course, we know they have much better response rates if we introduce these interventions early. So we do not really need to segregate who has a problem and who doesn't, because I believe everybody does to some extent. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's about teaching everybody the simple <laughs> strategies. Yeah. True. So let's just back up a little bit, because some of the time you're talking, I'm like, you're, you're throwing out a lot of terms here. So what is positive psychology? So when you're talking about positive psychology and the tools that come along with it, what are you talking about? So um, positive psychology basically relates to uh, the fact that happiness is within us and it gives the ownership of the mood and happiness to the individuals. Uh, so this is the concept of positive psychology. And when I try to re relate spirituality with positive psychology, I found a lot of connection there. Um, you see, most of the times we struggle to change uh, people or change the situations which are beyond our control. Mm -hmm. So most of the times our mood is affected uh, by by external circumstances which we cannot control, we cannot change. And we lose a lot of energy, efficiency, productivity, thinking about or even sometimes taking actions to change them. And the wisdom to know what I can change and what I cannot comes with mindful decisions and choices. So I need to be mindful to be able to apply it. So I read a lot of you know cognitive behavioral therapies and the simple approaches. And there are also simple practices recommended, for example, by Dr. Martin Seligman. And I would recommend um, you know reading the book on learned optimism and the optimistic child to everybody. It's a very simple book. It follows the positive psychology practices, um, but it's written in a very simple language that most of us can understand. So he proposed this ABCDE model, uh, which refers to A refers to adversity. Um, so this COVID-19 pandemic is an adversity, we all know, but in our day-to-day -day lives, there are a lot of adversities, which uh, many individuals term them as adversities, like, you know, your boss is mad at you, there's traffic jam, your kids are having tantrums. These are all adversities. So based on the adversities, you know, some thoughts are cascaded in my mind, you know, and a lot is, is, is very much into subconscious mind and how I react with the situation and different individuals react differently. We know that. And there are a lot of factors, you know, it's not just genetic or personality traits. It's also how they were brought up, you know, uh, their environment around them. But based on the adversity, so I create a belief and it's actually an illusion. So there's no reality. The reality is imposed by my own thoughts. So if I change my thinking style, the reality would look different. So based on adversity, I have belief cascaded by my self-talk because I talk to myself. That is called my explanatory style, the explanation I give to any situation or adversity in life. So based on my belief or my thinking, my style of thinking, there are consequences, you know, for the emotional consequences, for example, sadness, anger, jealousy, um, you know, or, or good consequences, you know, positive emotions. So this, the, the consequences, my emotions are generated by my, by my thinking process, by my self-talk. And it's very, very hard 
to understand your self-talk because the thoughts are, you know, cascaded like a rapid, uh, you know, firing. They come so fast and we have like gnats or ants, the automated negative uh, thoughts, um, which come really fast. They are uninterrupted. We cannot even, you know, slow down because we are not aware that, you know, these thoughts are coming so fast. So the easiest method, which when I applied is actually when I feel it, that I don't feel right, you know, I don't feel happy, I feel really sad or whatever, I go back and check my thinking style. What was I thinking? Rather than trying to control the situation, trying to control people around me, I go back and check my thinking. And I try to dispute my negative thinking style. So it's the D there, disputation. And there's also distraction, you know? I mean, we know that when we talk to people we love, you know, our close friends, when we don't feel good, we feel better. Or we, you know, take a warm shower or read a book. This is distraction. But disputation is much more powerful when I dispute because I'm, I'm actually correcting my unconscious mind there, you know? This is wrong. Maybe I can think in a different way, you know? So when I do that, there is something called energization e that means i get you know a boost in my mood so why do i get a boost in my mood is because i'm changing my thinking style i'm not changing people around me i'm not changing the circumstances i'm just changing my thinking style and of course it's not easy we are all on this journey but these practices when when we introduce this in younger age uh, they have far more impact uh, to to an individual's life of course, in general, to, to society as well. Um, and now it's the time because it's, it's, it's contagious, right? Negative thinking style is contagious. Everybody is thinking really, really negative, you know, about the financial insecurities and physical insecurities, you know, what would happen. We really don't know uh, how long this would continue. Uh, so probably COVID-19 pandemic is giving us an opportunity to change our thinking style, to accept these uh, practices practices uh, from positive psychology which have been existing for existing for very long time but we why do we have to really suffer from depression and anxiety to go to a psychologist uh, you know we all do from moment to moment we feel sad and now i'm sure uh, it's much more than normal so why can't we introduce these practices in a in a wide scale so that everybody can benefit in in a simple terms of course um, you know to school children in universities and in healthcare, we know that, you know, it's proven that when you manage the mind, you know, you empower the mind, the body also responds positively. And there are a lot of somatic complaints, you know, related to physical illness, uh, which are triggered by, by style of thinking. And it, even your immunity is affected by, by style of thinking. Uh, we really don't know how exactly it happens. There has been a lot of research, but biochemical basis, we don't really know for sure their hypothesis. But of course, we have to empower people by changing their thinking style and all the psychological therapies um, and psychotherapies they are they are aimed to boost optimism so learned optimism learned resilience can indeed indeed transform you know our life and once I transform the transform the world around me transforms uh, you know I can't change others I can't change the situations but probably we can change our thinking style um, 
and you know with less worries about future staying in the present uh, you know visualizing a good future and learning from the past but enjoying the present moment your body is going to heal you know with all those uh, you know thoughts and empowering your mind and of course we know that our productivity is affected when we are sad or depressed you know the wrong emotions it affects our productivity and the right emotions you know they they push us uh, much beyond our talent or 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 you know the situation uh, they push us ahead in life. Yeah. So if you wanted to implement something, let's say in the schools with elementary students or, you know, any students of any age, um, would you just want to teach those concepts or how, how, how do you think would be the best way to actually integrate it so that people are actually doing it, the students or people at, you know, at their workplaces or wherever they are? How would be the best way to help them actually implement it? Well, they, we can, there can be many approaches and I did discuss with few uh, teachers from primary school and um, I got very good feed feedback from most of them and they said these practices would be helpful. You know, there are Bible classes or sometimes religious classes which have their own importance. But when we talk about really shaping the mind, the young minds, teaching them how to accept adversities and respond positively towards day-to-day -to -day situations in life. Uh, the homeroom teachers, this is a feedback that I got from primary school teachers, the homeroom teachers would be really appropriate. So, but again, it comes down to training the teachers first. And of course, the materials need to be different. If we are talking about primary school versus high school or universities, the complexity would be different so that children can learn uh, you know, from simple facts. And peer-to-peer -peer counseling is very important important you know um, children who have learned it demonstrated it can teach to other children you know what it means to them and i believe uh, we can also try to uh, you know identify uh, you know the high risk group there and and really target them because there are some children who come from you know families with domestic violence and uh, you know or they have health issues so they are definitely more prone for for mental health disorders and also for substance abuse so of course the the efforts needs to be much more intense in them but i feel and also the same is recommended by dr martin seligman that they should be introduced um, you know starting from very early in life i would say probably seven eight years old since the time they have really good cognitive thinking and they can practice it um, and it's easier if we implement it early but of course we don't have to implement just for the school-age children also in universities it should be a part of curriculum i believe so there's a call on government and decision makers we cannot do it ourselves to start introducing this uh, in their curriculum and uh, i'm sure there are many many uh, you know, NGOs who would love to help partner together to create customized uh, modules based on the age group. And also for, for young working professionals, it has to be different, you know, what it provides them because there's so much of medical evidence there that it boosts productivity, it boosts efficiency, you know, learned optimism and resilience. Uh, so why not the workplaces can implement them? You know, we do a lot about team building and, you know, a lot of money and funds are spent for these activities. Why not also spare some funding for, you know, positive psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy to impact, to, to enhance the mood uh, for, the, for the working professionals as well. And social media, I believe, is a valuable platform because 
you know, the substance abuse industry, it's growing faster than Amazon and Apple. It's really scary, the speed at which it's growing. And with the mental health crisis, which already has been existing, it's underappreciated, underrecognized. And now it's creating, there would be a you know, cascade of a lot of further mental health problems. And I'm sure substance abuse industry will again gain its shares. But we don't want that to happen. We don't want our children to be, you know, trapped by all this misleading information. So social channels are a valuable platform because we know that young individuals most of them are all social platform. They're actually doing it much more than, than what is required. So why not we introduce these practices, you know, peer to peer counseling um, through social media? I think that can also really have uh, valuable returns. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked about, you know, people with substance abuse. And then, you know, I know it's actually really common for someone who has depression or some mental health issue to go in to see their doctor and they give them a drug which can be abused so how do you think that should how could we change that so that people aren't just becoming going from one drug to another uh, well, uh, there is a chemical imbalance, I believe, I mean, from my medical training, and I'm not a psychiatrist, so um, I wouldn't judge them. I'm sure they do the right practices when it's needed, but depression is basically associated with chemical imbalance. But if you go in terms of positive psychology, depression is also an extreme uh, of pessimism. You know, depressed people generally think really, really negative. Uh, you know, they have self-harm behavior towards the end, and all these medicines will come the chemical imbalance which is important because you know um, the the mindfulness and the cognitive behavioral therapy takes time to act so we can't wait we really want to prevent uh, you know self-harm behavior so um, I'm sure there is a role of um, medicines and antidepressants provided they are given by a healthcare professional who is licensed to do that and they have a big role um, but they cannot be for a lifetime basis we want people to come out of it and cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness based practices they they have been proven not just for um you know, boosting mood and, and reducing the severity of depression, making people come out of antidepressants and being productive, but also for substance abuse. And we know that the response rate of various treatments, uh, whether medical treatments or, or even psychological treatments, is very poor for substance abuse. Recurrence and relapse is very common. Um, so in this case, it is even more important to think about prevention and boosting, uh, you know, mood through the positive psychology uh, interventions uh, and that's what you know we are really afraid of for the next generation depending on how is it going if you look at the high risk behavior in in, in teen years, teenagers and in, in young individuals mm -hmm. um, you know I'm sure substance abuse will continue to rise and we need really good collective efforts to stop it because they they really don't know you know there is they are they are stigmatized or they want easy help so they are looking at substances to boost their mood um, but you know antidepressants have a unique role and I'm sure that they are needed when they are prescribed for sure uh, but again 
I'm sure if we come to the preventive psychiatry or preventive psychology, we can definitely look at reducing number of patients who actually need treatment uh, because, you know, I can self-heal myself or, or go to workshops that, that influence me or teach me strategies where I can work. Um, and again, caregivers can also be trained to do that. Um, and, you know, GP practices, I think general practice, practitioners, because they are the, they are the primary care, um, you, you know, vehicles where most of us would go first to our GP. Uh, but nobody really talks about positive psychology. It, it's, it would be very uncommon that you visit a doctor and doctor tells you that, you know, why don't you practice these, um, you know, for your, for your, you know, diarrhea or your gut pain or whatever, you know, your, your chronic pain. And we know that, you know, irritable bowel syndrome, a lot of fibromyalgia, chronic pain, mm -hmm. fatigue, they are in turn to, you know, linked to depression and anxiety. Uh, and for years and years, patients are being treated with a lot of medicines, thinking that these are somatic problems, but actually they are related to the mind. Um, so not just schools and universities, even healthcare, GP practices, we need health coaches. It could be nurses. I know GPs generally don't have that much time to spend. Uh, it could be nurses, counselors who can train people, teach people, um, and integrated mental health is very important. And again, uh, the, the social workers come there. And there's a lot of literature talking about the advantages. You know, it's immense. Um, when you when people think positive and they're optimistic, uh, you know, I'm talking about learned optimism because optimism is also a trait. Some people are born optimistic, but we can learn to be more optimistic and resilient in life. Um, so they're, they're actually um, physical problems reduce, uh, you know, chronic health problems. They are much less found in those individuals who are, who have a positive, um, you know, self-explanatory style. Their self-talk is much more positive. Uh, they have better relationships. They have, you know, higher income. They have, you know, better job security. People like to stay with them, work with them. Um, and even if they, they end up suffering from depression, um, there, there were, these are really well-conducted uh, prospective studies, even they end up uh, suffering from depression, they need much less antidepressants and they are able to come out of it much faster. So just because somebody is optimistic does not mean that that person will not have problems in life. The person may also have problems in life, but it is more probable that the person would be able to cope much better. Even for cancer patients, you know, I think there are multiple studies uh, related to this that those who are optimistic has and resilient, uh, you know, they they have better outcomes, better clinical outcomes, because it's also your willpower. You see, so your optimistic style affects your willpower, your self-esteem, um, a lot of our decisions in life, and. Uh, you know, when we are faced with adversities, when we apply the principles of positive psychology, day-to-day -day adversity, you know, your project was supposed to go this way, it will happen this another way, you're, you're stuck in traffic jam, there is lockdown, your kids cannot go to school, uh, you know, you have to catch up with a lot of work. These are day-to-day -day adversities, which are, of course, uh, precipitated to a big extent right now with the, with the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, but I think it's a very good time for everybody to implement these strategies because 
everybody needs help at this point of time, I would say. Um, and I also did, you know, day to day, I'm not saying that I'm always very happy. And you know, I, I never feel sad. I'm also a human, I also make mistakes. Uh, but what has helped me is actually going back and finding what is the cause of a negative emotion? What is the cause of this feeling? Um, because the cause is within me, what was I thinking that led to this feeling? And what can I do about it? You know, is my worry or anxiety is it probable or is it possible and what can I change I should not be wasting my time uh, trying to think about something which I cannot change so if it is probable maybe I have to act maybe you know my strategy should be linked to what can I do so that you know something some wrong you know situation does not come in front of me like if I'm prone to lose my job or my financial uh, security, then I should be working on the strategies, um, how I can, uh, you know, prevent it. Maybe, you know, if the job market is, is really slow or down right now, maybe it's time for me to do some courses because we know the situation is not going to last forever. It will recover, you know, uh, there will be definitely recovery in next few years. So I, my strategies, strategies would be very different and I would be aimed. I will not be wasting my time being worried being anxious um, and we all we know all the businesses have been impacted and I am also you know I also run business and I also have bank loans because I just bought a house a really big house in, in Auckland just before the lockdown and uh, so I also have sort of a financial crisis. Things are not going the way I planned, uh, you know, and especially smaller businesses are suffering. But again, with crisis comes innovation. You see, all the biggest uh, businesses were, bu were built during economic downturn. You know, Microsoft, Google, Disney, they all come during economic downturn. So if I look at the history, I look at the past, my strategies are going to be different. Um, and if it is just a possibility, it's not probable, then my strategies would be different. The problem is, it's the wisdom to differentiate. Is it possible or is it probable? Because most of the times, our worries are only possibilities. They are not probabilities. And we, we waste a lot of time uh, and effort trying to change it or, you know, being worried about it when it's just a possibility. Uh, so the wisdom comes from mindful choices, mindful decisions, staying in present. Uh, mindfulness just refers to being aware of my thinking, you know, my thoughts and metacognition means I'm thinking about what I'm thinking, which is a higher level. And it's so important because I don't think what I think and I think and think and it goes really a negative cascade of uninterrupted thoughts and it becomes a reality for me. So that's why I said reality is actually not reality because I'm creating a false reality by just overthinking or by being worried. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so several things uh, you were saying were, was resonating with me. One was don't stay still, move forward make a new strategy and, and at least go one step in a direction and if that if you stepping in that direction is not working then we're gonna have to change or pivot or turn or or do something but with that positive expectation that we're expecting good things we're not expecting bad things because everyone like you said is in the same situation we're all in the same different but we're yeah. still dealing with the same situation. So I really liked those points. And another thing I was thinking about is, you know, you talked about peer-to-peer um, -peer, um, people kind of helping each other. 
I, I know um, some of us are still in lock, lockdown. Some of us have, are a lot freer. I know here in the United States, like people in, in California aren't barely allowed to leave their homes. Where in Georgia, we're all pretty much going out and doing whatever we want. And the restaurants are opening and the gyms are opening. And so things are opening up. But so we have different, different levels. But how important is it for people to somehow get together, even if it's online, somehow to have support? Because sometimes your thoughts, even though you might want to have, go into the positive thought and you, and you, you know, I know if I think something negative, I'm going to have a belief and I'm going to feel bad, but sometimes people get in that spot where they can't get out by themselves and let's say they don't want to see a doctor. How, how is it that we can um, help each other with that? Well, I'm sure governments are working, you know, a lot. There are helplines. Uh, what works for me, if it's not so bad situation, is actually thinking about the consequences. You know, being from Asia, we were uh, raised, you know, in conservative style that if you do this, you know, you would be punished and this is going to happen. And it still resonates with me. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's really bad, but this is just, you know, the style. So when I have wrong emotions and wrong thinking style, I bring and I emerge consequences because from my own research, you know, and it's proven we are all aware and from our own experiences, when we are really worried or, you know, we have wrong emotions, including sadness, jealousy, it affects our productivity. And it's not just productivity, you know, it's the release of stress hormones. Mm -hmm. I, I cannot take mindful decisions. Um, so I tell myself when I'm not in the correct emotional state that emotional state will not allow me to make accurate decisions and if I don't make accurate decisions um, it's going to jeopardize my relationships it's going to jeopardize my business my work or or, or you know whatever so when any decision that I make when I'm in a wrong emotional state is not the correct decision. I mean, of course, when we yell at our kids, it may really have a, some short-term benefit that we see that they are sort of well-behaved for a few hours or whatever because they are scared. But long-term, it has nothing. You know, it, it is rather, it would jeopardize the relationship um, and jeopardize their emotional growth if we, if we follow that path. Um, so not looking at the short-term gains, but when you are emotionally distressed, bringing to your knowledge that, um, you know, there are consequences to your body, to your mindful decisions, to your productivity, to everything around you. And you do not want that, um, you know, so it is important for each of us to realize that when we have wrong emotions, there's a lot of damage done to our body. You know, we know that how the neurotransmitters are released and the stress hormones, they, they damage, you know, we know blood pressure increases, you know, when we are angry or stressed um, and we do not want that. You know, we want to heal our body. Everybody wants to have a healthy body and a healthy mind. Um, so bringing and emerging the consequences of wrong thoughts and wrong emotions works really well for me. And I, I would totally agree that it may not work for everybody. You know, everybody is different. It may work for some. And if it works for you, it's well and good. Keep practicing it. You know, uh, motivational talks are, are good. You know, spiritual talks are good. All these have good impact but the best impact we all can get is we is when we actively 
practice the the cognitive insights you know the metacognitive insights when we actively practice it especially when we are faced with adversities especially when things don't go our way this is the best time to practice it and you would know whether you're improving or not they would have an everlasting impact and you would see everything would change around you your relationships will change because people will find you a different person and they would change you know if i change the world changes nobody's changing it's just that i'm changing my thinking style is changing and if you cannot you know I say the same thing about meditation meditation helps you relax you know uh, you because all these the worries are deep-rooted they come from your unconscious mind even if you before you realize you know all the wrong thoughts start coming to you because it's a it's a deep practice going on and you can't shape your mind in few seconds or days it, it comes with practice um, but again if you feel that these practices are not helping um, you know please visit a mental health specialist uh, because it's very important and sometimes it should be the first step you know because you wouldn't know if you don't have any resources of label especially if you don't have family members to help you it is always better if you get the help early uh, because we know that it affects um, you know the recovery it's it's much easier if you come in the early stage rather than in the late stage so go and seek please don't be stigmatized please don't feel bad about it i know especially in in many you know emerging uh, economies low to middle income countries you know they have a taboo of calling these people as insane or even criminals sometimes and you know um, people like us are not treated well because i believe everybody suffers from it so if you feel sad or if you have depression or anxiety you are not the only one and i would say i have not met anybody who has not suffered from a crisis in their life and have gone through a disturbance or low mood persistent low mood i mean we do have low mood from time to time every day i may have but it's not persistent so when it becomes persistent when it affects my relationships my productivity i should be seeking help because the earlier i do the the easier it is for me um and a lot of relationship problems uh, you know domestic violence they are related to mental disorders which go unrecognized and they really reach a stage where it's so hard to be corrected if not sought a, a treatment or an intervention much early um, and it is for all of us you know i may also uh, suffer from this at any point in my life but uh, for those who have um, never experienced it or still they are in a positive mindset i would stay, still say that it's time to learn some practices um, and also teach your family especially your children uh, to learn strategies in life because covid-19 crisis is just one adversity there will be a lot more that that would come in future it is up to us whether we get affected or not so if we have shaped our mind if we have learned those strategies to calm ourselves you know and be away from all the mental stresses that happen because happiness is within us mm -hmm. um you know and try to somehow uh, find something good in that you know and gratitude i believe is very very important it, it's all relates to optimism and uh, resilience but during my low days i do have a gratitude diary and i do maintain it and it helps me down it calms me down um you know when you look at the situation uh, there are a lot of people who don't have a roof um over their head they don't have food on their plate uh, they don't have family and we we are really lucky 
you know i know we are worried about finances and there's a lot of insecurity but still we are very lucky and those of you who are still worried about finances and the insecurity retrenchment being laid off um, these are adversities in life if you shape your mind there is a better possibility waiting for you it's always how you look at it um, you know i mean if you look at the research it it has been done in animals and humans even in rats you know optimistic style and dr martin seligman has done a lot of wonderful experiments and even in productivity in terms of uh, work culture you know the the really stressful jobs like selling selling a product i believe is really hard you know especially selling insurance and a lot of other devices as well and there generally people who are successful who are able to do that are those who have a really positive mindset and many of them are really able to make a really good income by selling a product that was so hard to sell and it all boils down to how they convince themselves you know their will power so these people can do it by changing their their explanatory style by changing their self talk so if you are faced with an adversity of financial pressure you can come out of it and you can make a you know beautiful life in your future by not being worried or anxious but rather working towards it with a with a mindful decisions with all your mindful decisions working you know taking steps and not losing hope uh because hope and optimism is really important they sustain our life you know they give us a push to move forward and um, if you are optimist people will want to stay with you you know many a times you are able to sell a product because of your uh the charisma and the aura around you the leadership that comes out of you and people want to be with you your personality really makes a big difference um so yeah it's a call to everybody please don't be stigmatized seek help early um and everybody is in this crisis together everybody's mental health is deeply impacted you are not the only one um and i would say that you know there was a study done in india recently among you know ophthalmologists and because my husband is an ophthalmologist and you come from the similar background mm -hmm. and that's how probably we both can relate to it and they did a survey uh, because you know many of the private practitioners they are not able to uh, go back to work and of course it has affected their income uh, and of course it's everybody's life is upside down and they found that those who participated in the survey to check the the mental health um around 8% of them if i'm not mistaken around there were suicidal and 20 to 25% had symptoms of depression now this is um in the pool of respondents who actually agreed to participate those who are really really in a mental health crisis they would not have even participated and we are looking at the class of population which is a high class you know they are high earners and the depression and anxiety is so common in this class just because they are used to let's say 10k or 20k per month of salary or income and they are not getting that and it's affecting their mental peace and they are also daily wage workers you know um who are not even able to provide the basic amenities to their family so you can imagine how much insecurity would be there in that class but again it does not matter whether which class you come from because anybody can be optimistic and anybody can make a better life for themselves so your mind determines your destiny uh, and i when i bring the consequences in front of me you know i'm not in my stable mindset now and it's going to impact uh, my productivity my job my relationships and i have to do something about it i have to take ownership either i have to uh, you know 
practice the soundful uh, metacognitive practices. I can learn self strategies or I can, I can seek treatment early. You know, loving yourself is also seeking treatment for yourself because if you are the caregiver, you have children, you have other people to look after and you cannot afford, uh, you know, to be not in a stable mindset. And there are helplines provided. Uh, most of the countries have that, I believe. Um, so, so seek out help. Please don't be shy. Please don't be stigmatized. You are not the, the only one. I would say most of the people need help at this stage. So let's stand together, help each other, share positivity around us, um, media, and a lot of negative news, you know, racial tensions are emerging. We cannot change that. We don't have to think about that. We are losing our time and effort by thinking, you know, this is the politics, this is happening. No, don't think about all that. I would say don't even waste a lot of time watching, you know, news or politics. Just do what is needful, you know, what is recommended in your country. Follow the practices, follow hand hygiene, physical distancing. That is number one. Um, and it is really, really important. But at the same time, stay in a positive mindset because your thoughts also impact your immunity. You know, um, repeated negative persistent thinking is associated with low immunity. So please uh, stay in a stable mindset and encourage your family to do the same. Uh, you know, spend good quality time with them and work on strategies for boosting your career or your life. I mean, if you have some time um, off from work, uh, there are so many online courses which are even offered free nowadays. So make use of this time, uh, you know, and it's the one who is able to act at this time and uh, you know be productive at this time it will determine our destiny and future what would happen in next few years so i would say this time is even more crucial than than you know usual times because mm -hmm. your optimistic style is really much more important at the time of adversity you know when a situation comes to you what do you tell yourself and with the optimistic style and explanatory style or optimistic self-talk you can cope up with most of the adversities in life and also we are the role models you know once we do that our kids are going to uh, you know imitate us so it's really really it cascades down in a positive way and we are teaching them and we know that you know if we we are around people who talk a lot of negative stuff then it also affects our mood you know we get drawn so try to be in a positive good company your company is very important with people whom you love and your relationships are really really important you know I mean don't let any adversity come in between your relationships you know relationships with your partner with your kids no matter how angry worried you are tell yourself my relationships are more important than this adversity and they are we know that they are and stay united, stay safe, but at the same time, stay really positive and learn some, uh, you know, cognitive behavioral therapies to boost your mood. Just learn and practice them. It could be spirituality. It could be meditation. Um, you know, spend some time with yourself, stay in the present and maintain a diary. If you're really affected, write down the things you are really, um, you know, grateful for. Gratitude, gratitude diary is really important and write down your worries, you know, your anxieties and look at them from a, a detached mind, you know, not getting affected by your worries. Why am I worried? You know, is it really a financial crisis for me? And if yes, what can I do about it? You know, what are the strategies I should adopt? Um, you know, what is most important to me right now? 
um, you know, what can I do to be more productive and remind yourself that all the negative thinking is going to affect your immunity. It's going to affect your productivity. I, I don't know, this works for me. So I'm just sharing a strategy that when I remind myself, okay, I'm getting angry at this time, things did not go the way how I expected. But if I'm acting like this, if these thoughts keep coming on my mind, it will not do any good. It will jeopardize the situation further. So, and stay in your positive mindset. Uh, I think this, there has never been a time more crucial than this to adopt these strategies in life for everybody. Yeah. Well, so much wisdom. Thank you so much. And, um, where can people find you? I know you have a new website. Where, how can people contact you? So you can reach out to me directly if you are looking for any training, training your teams about productivity, efficiency, uh, in general about mental health, you know, advocacy or promotion. Uh, you can reach out to me. It's sajita.satya at transformmedcoms.com. Um, and I have a website as well for, for my medical communications agency. And I created a, uh, another website just to boost mental health. And I have even graphically uh, simplified all some of the strategies from positive psychology. So um, in books, it's here and there. I have tried to bring it together so that it's simple and absorbed for any for anybody. Um, and yeah, you can call me as well to book any session. And we would be soon merging into a global organization, Global Mental Health Association. So we are really hoping to come out with global strategies uh, to be implemented in, in healthcare, in, in workplaces and schools and universities so that, you know, we all people can really benefit when it's really the time to, to discuss and, and, and inculcate these habits. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I, I know people will be thinking about what you said and how they can stay positive and keep looking towards their goals and keep looking towards what they want to happen in their life. So thank you so much. It was my pleasure, Kimberly. Thank you for mm -hmm. having me. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. See you. Bye-bye.